Amen. So we talked two weeks ago when I last talked, because I wasn't here last week. We talked two weeks ago, though, about King David. And we've seen him progress from a shepherd boy in the field when God said, I want you to be king. Now he's king, and he's been doing a great job up until this point. He's been leading them in battle. They've had victory after victory. The nation of Israel is doing great. He brought the Ark of the Covenant in. And remember, he danced before the Lord and worshipped the Lord and truth. And this is a man of God that we're impressed by. And then he's about to do something stupid. And it's kind of like we talked about two weeks ago where in a horror movie, when you see somebody and they're about to do something stupid, and you're like, you can not be serious. Like, really? Like, you're that dumb? Like, it's like, oh, hey, it's a bunch of kids, and we're hanging out on Halloween. Oh, look, a scary house. Let's go inside. No, children, you don't go inside on Halloween to a scary house. And then they hear something like a scream in the basement, and they don't call the cops. They go, let's check it out ourselves. No, children, you don't check it out yourselves. You're children, okay? But sure enough, they go down there, and then they, you know, see a scary monster, and it chases them out of the building. And then they're like, let's go hide in the cemetery. No, don't hide in the cemetery. That's a terrible place to hide. But you're watching this movie, and you're watching these people like, why are you making these stupid decisions and stupid mistakes? And here we're watching David's life, it feels like, and David, two weeks ago, made a stupid decision. And we're watching it. Remember we did this right here? We did the face palm. Because he kept making these mistakes. And the mistake that I'm talking about is he commits adultery with Bathsheba. So let's back up here a little bit. So David is supposed to lead the army. He's supposed to be with them. But the army goes off to fight, and David stays behind in the palace. He's kind of having a lazy uh, time. He's maybe playing Fortnite, maybe scrolling through Instagram. He's not focused on doing what God called him to do. And in this moment, he goes up to the roof, and he's walking around, and he looks over onto another rooftop, and he sees a woman bathing. And her name is Bathsheba, and I think it's ironic that it's bath, and she's taking a bath. So, I know, right? It's just my, I find that ironic. Anyway, so she's bathing. And again, if he's just looking around and he accidentally sees it and he looks away, no harm, no foul. He didn't know she was there. He just keeps moving. But, but he gives him the temptation piece by piece, as we talked about. He looks at her and longs for her. And then he and gets curious about the sin. He asks about her. He says, hey, who is this? Uh, is she related to anybody? Is she single? What's the situation? And he finds out she's married to one of his soldiers who's off at battle, Uriah. And then he invites her over for dinner. And no good can come of this, but David is so enraptured or interested and he's craving that sin that he brings it in closer and closer when he should be running from that temptation. So she comes over and they end up having sex. They have sex outside of marriage because David's married to somebody else and she's married to somebody else. And so they sin against God in this way. And you're looking at this and you're like, David, you're the hero of the story. David, you're the guy who killed the giant. You're the king of Israel. You're the dude who worshiped before God. How could you make this huge mistake? But the truth is, all of us are sinful. All of us make mistakes. And so while we should give grace to David in that way and understand that we make mistakes just like him, it doesn't make it okay. It's still sin and it's still wrong. And so what we're going to talk about today is this. What should we do when we sin? Everybody say, what should we do when we sin? We're going to talk about what we should do when we sin. And we're also going to talk in the same way about what we should not do when we sin. All right, so pick up with me here in the story. David, after he commits adultery with Bathsheba, Bathsheba goes home, and then she sends him a message. And here's the message. Read with me verse 5 of chapter 11. It says, 
Later, when Bathsheba discovered that she was pregnant, she sent a message to David saying, I'm pregnant. Yeah, dun, dun, dun. Yeah, this is a problem here, okay? Here's why. David doesn't want anybody to find out about his sin. He's trying to hide his sin, conceal his sin. But if Bathsheba gets pregnant and gets a big baby bump and a baby starts to grow, okay, and her husband's at war and he comes home and he's like, wait a second, I wasn't here. How did you get pregnant? She'll be like, Bleh. and then she'll have to blame David. And David realizes all this and he's like, oh, no. So David hatches a bit of a plan. He starts off and again, he's trying to cover up his sin. So what he does is he brings Uriah back to Israel, back to uh, Jerusalem. And he asks him some questions like, hey, how's the battle going? I just brought you home for a report. And he goes, okay, that's great. Uh, and then he goes, well, Uriah, go home uh, and just relax for a couple of days. Take a break from war. But Uriah was such a man of honor that he didn't go to his home. And the reason was because he said, how could I go home and be with my wife and being comfortable in bed when my men, the soldiers, are out there fighting and dying and they're away from their families? So he decided instead to stay away from his home and to sacrifice with his men. It's a really noble thing. Uriah was an incredible man. So David hears this and he's like, oh no, if Uriah doesn't go home, then he's still going to find out that the child isn't his and it's my child that was had. So David has to find another way to hide his sin. And he's about to make a big mistake, all right? He's about to be, do some real stupid. So everybody get your hand ready to smack yourself in the face. Don't hurt yourself, okay? Please don't. Now don't do it yet. Not yet. So here's what David does, all right? Read with me here. Read with me here. Verse 14. So Uriah came home. He didn't go back into his home. And now David's going to send him back to battle. But listen to what David does in verse 14. So the next morning, David wrote a letter to Joab, and Joab was the general, and gave it to Uriah to deliver. The letter instructed Joab, station Uriah on the front lines where the battle is fiercest. Then draw back, and he will be killed. So Joab assigned Uriah to a spot close to the city wall where he knew the enemy's strongest men would be fighting. And when the enemy soldiers came out of the city to fight, Uriah the Hittite was killed along with several other Israelite soldiers. Pause here for a second. David, in order to hide his sin, just basically derived a hit or allowed his own friend to be killed. Then David, after Bathsheba mourns and everybody mourns that Uriah is dead, he brings Bathsheba into his house and he marries Bathsheba. Okay, everybody take your hands out. Smack yourself in the face, okay? This guy's stupid. What is he doing? This is, yeah, a couple times there, a repeated uh, banging there. Okay, check this out. David has not only sinned in the first place, but now he's sinning on top of his sin, on top of his sin. It's snowballing. It's getting bigger and bigger. It's like when you take a snowball and you roll it in the snow and it's small and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and then you make frost of the snowman. He keeps getting bigger. And so what happened was, he literally ended up murdering Uriah to hide his sin. Then he marries Bathsheba. And he's going to try and pretend like life's totally normal and go across his life like nothing's wrong. We'll talk about next week when he gets confronted and what takes place from here because there are going to be consequences for his sin. But David did something that we should not do. So first we're going to start off and talk about what we should not do when we sin. And then we're going to talk about what David should have done. When he sinned. Okay, so we're going to start off talking about what you should not do. Everybody say should not. should not. If you're not paying attention, make sure you don't think, oh, this is the should do. Do not do this stuff, okay? This is not stuff you should not do, right? 
You should not, when you sin, cover up your sin. Cover up or ignore or suppress or push down your sin. This is a dangerous thing to do. I'm going to present a scenario, and maybe you're like, it's never happened to me, but I'm going to present a scenario, okay? Let's say you're on a school bus. You're just riding to school. You've got your headphones on. You're just riding to school, hanging out, a bunch of people around you. And you have to pl- pass some gas, okay? You've, you've got to fart, okay? And you're like, well, I just I don't want anybody to know. And so you're not going to just, like, do it. You're going to try and conceal it to the best of your ability, all right? And then when you pass gas and you start seeing people around you going, when you start seeing that, what are you going to do? You're not going to rise up and stand up and go, it was I. I passed the flatulence. You're not going to do that. What are you going to do? You're going to, st- you're going to sit there quietly, and maybe you're going to be like, oh, I think it was Frank. Yeah, I think he ate some beans last night. It was that kid. You're going to blame somebody else. Or what you're going to do is you're going to be like, oh, I'm, just, I'm just over here reading a book. I'm just reading a book, reading a book. It couldn't have been me because I'm reading a book. I mean, <laughs> people that can't read books and fart, that's ridiculous. So you're just reading a book. Like You're like, I'm totally not farting over here. I'm just reading. And so you're ignoring the fact that you're sitting in your own stench right now. You're ignoring it. But it doesn't matter if you blame other people. And it doesn't matter if you open the window of the bus. And it doesn't matter if, if you sit there and just pretend like nothing happened. There is one truth that you cannot ignore. You were the one that farted. It was you, okay? And nothing can change that. You were the one that, some of the people are waving over there. Is everything okay? So there's nothing you can do to change that. Now check us out. With our sin, we make this mistake. When we sin and we mess up, we bury it or ignore it or pretend like it's not there and think, well, maybe it'll go away. Maybe no one will notice. Maybe if I just ignore it, it'll go away. But that's not true. If you ignore something, it's not going to go away. It's like a little brother, okay? Just because you ignore them doesn't mean they're going to go away, okay? Usually they're just going to get louder and louder and louder, okay? That's not how it works. You can't just ignore sin. And here's the dangerous thing. If we ignore our sin and pretend like it's not there, it's going to get worse. When I was a kid, um, I got, I shouldn't say a kid, it was like in middle school, I, I got pink eye, and I hate pink eye. And here's the reason. I hate getting eye drops. I hate them, okay? So I would actually hide from my parents that I had pink eye as long as I could. Like if it was in this eye, I'd only talk to them like, hey mom, what's up? How you do? I'd talk to her from like this angle, okay? So she wouldn't notice my pink eye. But here's the deal. If I ignore the fact that I have pink eye, if I wear sunglasses so no one can see, it doesn't take away the fact that I have a disease. I have pink eye. And I need to get help. So I need to acknowledge that I have pink eye. I need to acknowledge that I'm sick in order to get better. And the longer you ignore it, the worse it gets. If you have an infection, it's only going to get worse if you don't address it and clean it. And it might hurt to clean, but it's only going to get worse if you don't clean it. Sin is the same way, and it climbs into our lives, and it hurts us, and it festers, and it stinks, and yet we ignore it and pretend like it's not there, hoping it'll go away, and concealing it, pressing it down. David tried to do this, and it did not work, and it won't work for us. The next thing we should not do, everybody say not. We should not try and make excuses for our sin. We should not make excuses for our sin. All right? Sometimes we love to make excuses why we can't in gym class do the pacer test. Oh, yeah, I got a, a big toenail that's really hurt. Yeah, I injured it uh, uh, dancing Fortnite. I was doing a dance for Fortnite and injured it. 
I can't run the pacer. Or we're trying to come up with like, oh man, I, I had this, I had this really big taco last night. And I, it's so heavy, gym teacher. I can't run the pacer test. Or gym teacher, um, I don't have any clothes. I forgot my clothes, and your clothes are like in your locker. Like I forgot my gym clothes. I'm sorry. I can't run the pacer. I'm like, oh, that's okay. We have a spare for you. <laughs> You're like, <laughs> I'm the worst. We try and come up with excuses, but with our sin, we try to come up with excuses for why we sinned, rather than accepting the fact that we sinned. Maybe we'll say, well, hold on, um, you know, I sinned, but I'm so busy, and I'm so tired, and I just, I couldn't help it. I, I, I couldn't help but sin. I couldn't help but do the thing that is wrong. Well, the truth is, we can't help it. We can always fight against sin. The Bible tells us that God will never let you be tempted to an extent where you can't take it, where you can't say no. We always have a choice. So that's not really an excuse. Well, sometimes we make the excuse and we say, well, um, you know, it's not really a big deal. It didn't hurt anybody. Uh, is it really that big of a deal that I sinned? And we, and we try to just ignore the sin and make it feel like it's not that big of a deal. But the truth is this. Sin hurts God. Sin hurts us. It's going to hurt us and it has consequences to us. And sin also hurts other people. Maybe like, when we're cheating on a test, well, what are the consequences of that? How does that hurt anybody? Well, one, again, it hurts God every time. And it might hurt you because you're literally robbing yourself of knowledge you're going to need in the future. If you lie, you might be hurting your reputation or lying about somebody else might hurt them. Sin hurts. And even if you think you've concealed it, every sin the Bible says will be brought to light one day, either on earth or in heaven. So we can't make that excuse. Well, another excuse that we make is this. We say, well, it's who I am. You know, I was born this way. It's my personality. Um, you know, I am just this way, so I sinned. I messed up. Tough. Well, if you had a friend who walked up to you, and they slapped you in the face, what the sh? And they're like, hey, man, I'm sorry. That's just who I am, okay? This is, this is my personality. I'm a slapper, okay? Okay, first of all, don't be friends with that person, okay? I just maybe, like, wear padding or something. I don't know, a helmet. Uh, but secondly... It's not okay to slap people because you're like, this is my personality. This is who I is, okay? I is a slapper. I slap people. I slap you. Slap. That's not okay. Not okay. And we shouldn't determine, well, this is just what I feel like doing or what I want to do as what's right or wrong. God determines right or wrong. He sets the moral standard, and we cannot make that excuse that we're born that way because especially this, Jesus remakes us when we're born again as Christians. He remakes us in our identity as new. He should give us new desires. So we need to fight against that. Finally, we can't make the excuse of saying, well, you know what? I just don't care. I don't care if it's sin. I don't care if it's sin to gossip. I don't care if it's sin to disobey my parents. I, I, I'm going to do this anyway. I, I don't care if it's sin to lust. I'm going to do it anyway because I want it. Well, just because you don't care doesn't mean it's okay. Just because you've chose to believe it's okay in your mind or justify your sin or make excuses or just because you say it's who I am doesn't mean that sin is excusable and it still has consequences and it's still wrong. And David could not make excuses for his sin. There was no excuse. Sin is to disobey God and to look at him and say, I know you want me to do this, but I'm going to do something different. And that's wrong. And there's a consequence to that. Moving forward, we should not, everybody say not. not, we should not drown in guilt, okay, we should not drown in guilt, and here's what I mean by that, 
Um, my parents have a miniature toy poodle, okay? Not a toy poodle, a miniature toy poodle. Understand what this means, okay? Toy poodle's like small, miniature poodle small. This is a miniature toy poodle. It's four pounds. It is literally a rodent, okay? When it gets wet, I'm like, I feel like we adopted a hamster. Like, this is disgusting to me. So, we have this problem with our dog. When he goes to the bathroom in the house, on the carpet or on a couch or something, he does the same thing every time. Okay, maybe your dog does the same thing. When he does something wrong like this, he will know he's done something wrong, have shame, and he'll start to whimper, and he'll hide from us. He will literally hide from us, and he'll go into his crate, like where he lives, like his little like home, and he will hide in there, like Napoleon, and he's like not going to answer us. Usually he'll bark like crazy every time he says his name, and he bites people, and he's really obnoxious. Anyway, but he'll hide in his crate, and he'll wait there, and you know where he will never go? He will never go wherever he went to the bathroom, wherever he already went. He will never go over there because he doesn't want to be near the scene of the crime. He's like, maybe he'll blame somebody else. <laughs> We're all potty trained pretty well, okay? If it was somebody else, we'd have a serious problem in our house, okay? Hopefully it's the dog. But what we do is we find out, okay, Napoleon went to the bathroom. His name's Napoleon. It's obnoxious. We go grab him. We're like, Napoleon, did you do this? And it's not like he's going to say, yes, I did it. I mean, he's a dog. And so he's like, no, I didn't do it. And he admits into it, and he kind of feels guilty and shameful, and he hides from us. Well, here's the thing. When we sin against God, we laugh at that example, but we do the same thing. We seek in a way to try and hide from God out of our shame for our sin, out of our guilt from our sin, and we feel far from God, and we want to ignore our sin that's over there in the corner, and we want to kind of hide in our crate and hide from ourselves and hide from what we've done wrong. And we drown in this guilt and this shame, and Satan keeps this condemnation on top of us. And it's like a weight. And he tells you lies. He tells you things like, now God will no longer love you because you made such a mistake. Your sin is so great that you're not separated from him. And I don't even know if you're saved anymore. How could God love you after what you did? You knew better than that, and yet you messed up. And the ironic part is, ooh, sorry. The ironic part is, Satan is the very one who tempted us to do this in the first place. He's the very one that drew us into it. But he tells us these lies, and he sells us these lies. We believe them, and we become enslaved or captive to this guilt that weighs us down and does not improve us in any way. I want to tell you, when I was in middle school, um, I had a, a terrible idea of what repentance and guilt look like. And we'll talk about repentance in a second. But I would sin and mess up in my life. And when I would go into church as a middle schooler, I would walk into the door and I would be nervous that God was going to smite me at any moment. I'm like, oh man, I have not told my parents about what I did wrong. And I walk in the door and the pastor would be like, hey, you want a Bible? And I'm like, oh, I cannot touch that. I, maybe my hand, I, I'm not joking. I thought my hands, one time if I picked up a Bible, would just burn. Like it'd be like hot to me because I had sinned. Or maybe that if I picked up the Bible, lightning would strike me. Or I thought that if I sang during worship, because, I mean, who am I to sing this worship song after I sinned and messed up and hit it and, you know, I'm a sinner, I'm a terrible person. Then this worship song will come on and I'm like, if I sing this, God might take my voice away. He might literally just like, you know, Ariel from like Little Mermaid where she's like, ah, and then like the evil witch. I don't remember the story. It's been a while. Priscilla. Okay, whatever. Sounds like a Ursula. Sounds like an evil ant. Okay, moving on. Sorry. Not like an ant. Like a, never mind. Moving on. So. I just pictured God like being like, oh, 
You dare to sing to me after you sing? Who do you think you is? And I'm just picturing God like taking my voice and I'm like, and I just couldn't sing. I literally had this image that this would happen because I was so afraid of this guilt and the shame. And I'd be like, man, I don't even think I can talk to God anymore. And Satan would tell me you couldn't, I couldn't pray. And, you know, it'd come time for a meal. And I was like, please, Dad, don't pick me because I, I don't want to have to pray. And I'm afraid of, like, God being angry at me if I pray. And, like, I didn't want to be near God because I was like the dog hiding in his crate. That's far from him. We do the same thing with our guilt and our shame and our sorrow. We hide. We hide from God. So what is it then that we are supposed to do when we sin? What should we do? Everybody say should. should. What should we do when we sin? Well, here's what we should do. The first thing is this. Rather than running from God, we need to run to God. And I know that sounds scary. And I know you might think, well, why would I go to God First of all, how do you know that you did something wrong? He's God. He kind of knows um, everything. <laughs> He's God. You're not going to surprise him and be like, hey, God, I took cookies from the cookie jar. And he's like, oh, you did? I knew it was you. They were chocolate chip. I wanted those. He, he, he knows, okay? He knows about all the sin you're going to commit until you die. He knows all of your mistakes and problems. But check this out. We should go to him. And then when we get to him, and we get close to him, because he's not far, he's only a, a whisper away when we say, God, he's listening to us. We might feel far from him, but it doesn't mean we are. You can have somebody sitting right next to you, and you can feel far from them. And somebody can be across the globe, and yet you can feel close to them in your heart. God is always close to us, even if we don't feel it. Don't let Satan lie to you in that way. So God is close to us, we should go to him. When we get to him, we should own up to our sin. Don't make excuses for our sin. Don't think it's okay. Admit, hey God, um, this was wrong and I did it and I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Forgive me. Admit your sin before God. Now we don't do this to tell God what he already knows. We do this because we need to admit to ourselves that it was wrong. But then here's the next part, and this is very important. This is the difference between guilt and shame. I'm sorry, guilt and repentance. Guilt means you're just feeling bad for what you did and you feel guilty and you have regret for what you did in the past. But repentance is this. Repentance is to see, I did something wrong and I want to stop doing that wrong in the future and I want to change. It's actually, the, the, the Greek of it says, to look at sin and to turn away from sin. To turn away from sin. So my challenge to you is this, when we sin, we need to go to God and say, God, I've sinned, I've messed up, I'm sorry, please forgive me and, and help me to turn from that sin that I will not sin anymore. Because here's the truth, if you have somebody who's hurting you and sinning against you and you tell them to stop and they keep sinning against you, you'd be like, do you really care about me? If your friend the slapper comes up and keeps slapping you and you're like, hey man, stop it. He goes, okay, I'm sorry. Slap, I'm sorry, slap. You'll be like, dude, I don't think you're sorry because if you were sorry, you would try and stop slapping me, okay? You're leaving welts. You'd try to stop. And in the same way, if we love God, why do we continue to do something that hurts him? We should at least make an effort to stop. Now here's the truth. We will not be perfect. We won't. We're going to make mistakes. I get that. But we should seek to reconcile and fix our relationship with God when we do. Now, I just wanted to dispel a couple of lies that Satan will tell you and that you might hear from outside places. Um, 
every single sin does not need to be repented in the sense of I need to like say, God, I did this thing and this thing and this thing and this thing. I think it's healthy and good to do, but if you forget one sin and get to heaven, God's not going to be like, oh, I'm so sorry, okay? But on August 2nd, 2018, you forgot to confess when you cheated on that Spanish quiz. So you can't come into heaven. That's not how it works. When we confess to our sin and ask God to be a Christian, say, God, forgive me of all my sin, in that moment we are forgiven. The reason we should keep coming back for repentance and keep coming back asking God to change us is that we might become more and more like Jesus every day. So just a quick recap, guys. We should not, when we sin, when we mess up, make mistakes, we should not seek to justify our sin. Seek to make excuses for our sin. We should also not seek to conceal it or hide it or, or press it down because it's the truth and it happens. And we need to own up to it. And we should not in any way drown in guilt, but rather what we should do is in truth come to God and say, God, I'm not going to run from you. I'm going to come to you and say, I messed up. Please forgive me. Please heal me. And please help me to change, turn from my sin and be different. If you're in this room today, you've sinned. If you're in this room today, you will sin after you leave this place. We should strive not to, but we will. When we mess up, don't listen to Satan's voice. Don't listen to him as he tells you, hey, your sin is so great, God does not love you. You are separated from him. He cares no more for you. Listen to the voice of Jesus when he speaks to you and he says, hey, I have died for that sin. I bled for that sin. I sacrificed my life on the cross for your sin. It is paid for. It is removed. We are now one and joined together in fellowship because of your faith in me. And I am bigger than any sin. I'm bigger than any problem. And do not allow this thing to separate me from you. You are my child. And there's nothing you could do that could separate you from me. God would still love David after he made this mistake. It's a big one. Don't get me wrong. And it was wrong. But God would still love David after this. And God still loves us after we sin. But we need to look at him when we sin own our sin, and then say, God, I don't want to do it again. Help me to change. Help me to change. Are you going to make mistakes even after you say, help me to change? Yes. You're going to say, God, I repent. Help me to change. And you're still going to make mistakes. And I want you to know that's okay. But we should be striving and trying to get better every day at becoming more and more like Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, I ask, I ask, Lord, that you would allow us to make the proper decisions when we sin. Keep us from sin and keep us from temptation as we talked about two weeks ago. But, but when we do sin and when we do mess up, might we seek your face. Seek you, Lord, and seek repentance. Seek to change, Lord. Change our hearts, change our minds and attitudes that we might not sin against you anymore. Remove our guilt and shame. Might we stand tall as sons and daughters of the King who have been saved by Jesus and made co-heirs with Christ. And might we be able to walk with you each and every day. I pray for each and every one of us, Lord. It's in the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen.